November 14th. And now as we turn our attention to the New Testament, our reading today will be out of the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, beginning at verse 32. We'll go through chapter 12, verse 13. We'll read about runners. The people listed in chapter 11 are the cloud, the cloud that witnesses to us. God can be trusted. That's what these witnesses are saying to us. Put your faith in His Word and keep running the race. Don't give up. Don't stop. When you read the Old Testament, your faith should grow. Well, the account shows what God did in and through people who dared to trust His promises. When you read the Gospels, you see the greatest example of endurance in Jesus Christ. It was uh, the great Tertullian who said, You can judge the quality of their faith from the way they behave. Discipline is an index to doctrine. And we'll read about children. Chastening refers to child training, helping the child prepare for adulthood. It does not necessarily mean punishment for disobedience, no, although that sometimes might be included. The successful runner must exercise discipline and submit to training. Never fear the chastening hand of the Lord. It's controlled by a loving heart. God's goal is your maturity. And now let's begin our reading today in the New Testament. November 14th. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 32 through chapter 12 verse 13. Well, how much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from death. But others trusted God and were tortured, preferring to die rather than turn from God and be free. They placed their hope in the resurrection to a better life. Some were mocked, and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in dungeons. Some died by stoning, and some were sawed in half. Others were killed with a sword. Some went about in skins of sheep and goats, hungry and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world. They wandered over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All of these people we have mentioned received God's approval because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had far better things in mind for us that would also benefit them, for they can't receive the prize at the end of the race until we finish the race. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily hinders our progress, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, on whom our faith depends from start to finish. He was willing to die a shameful death on the cross because of the joy He knew would be His afterward. Now He is seated in the place of highest honor beside God's throne in heaven. 
Think about all he endured when sinful people did such terrible things to him, so that you don't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. And have you entirely forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you, his children? He said, My child, don't ignore it when the Lord disciplines you, and don't be discouraged when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes those he accepts as his children. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Who ever heard of a child who was never disciplined? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and are not really his children after all. Since we respect our earthly fathers who disciplined us, should we not all the more cheerfully submit to the discipline of our Heavenly Father and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always right and good for us because it means we will share in His holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It is painful. But afterward, there will be a quiet harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So, take a new grip with your tired hands and stand firm on your shaky legs. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Then those who follow you, though they are weak and lame, will not stumble and fall, but will become strong. We're in a world of change. Millions of dollars are being spent every day on psychologists and psychiatrists by people who want to change their behavior or on cosmetic surgery by people who want to change their looks. They want to think differently, look differently, act differently, and be different. They want to change. God says there's going to come a time when I will overturn, I will overturn, I'll overturn it. God can overturn your life also right now if you would let him. He can change your life. He can make you different. Jesus said our problems come from within. Your problems are not without. It's not the environment of your home or the neighborhood you live in or any of those other things. The basic problem is in your heart. And it cannot be solved by these superficial remedies that we bring. Like alcohol or drugs or something else. It's solved. By a revolution that God brings. I will overturn it, he says. I will change you. If you will let me. God said, The whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you today call upon the name of the Lord, you can be saved. You can be made over. God will overturn your life. And change the direction in which you're going right now. God will cause a revolution. You pass from death to life from destruction to eternal life a fantastic change the greatest change in your whole life is not when you get married as great as that may be it's when you give your life to Christ and let Christ change you from that moment on everything else becomes different but there are two destinations one toward heaven and one toward judgment and hell and you're on one road to the other. 
If you're on the broad road that leads to destruction and judgment, I'm asking you to change roads and go the narrow road that leads to eternal life. And that means you must come by way of the cross. It means that you must repent of your sins and you ask, well, what do you mean by repentance? I mean that you're willing to change. Change your style of living. Change your habits. Change from the sins, the things that are wrong in your life, to doing the will of God. You must be willing to do that. You may not have the ability to do it, but when you come to Christ, He'll give you the power. He helps you to make the change. He helps you into repenting. Which road are you on? When Christ returns, will He find that you have been transformed by His power? I will overturn it. I will overturn it. He will overturn your life. This minute, He can change you and make you a new person. Hey guys, it's Jake Collier here at the Brow House. I'm sitting here with Thomas Kitzrow and uh, Thomas completes the ministry uh, this Thursday. Um, Thomas, looking back at your uh, 13 months here, uh, what are some of the most memorable moments you have? Some of the things that you can look back and say, you know, those really impacted your life and you're going to hold on to those memories forever. Well, I guess I'd have to say uh, be the, the first week when I came to the farm on Benton County. Uh, I, I'd, um, well, let me step back just a little bit. I'd, uh, I came to Ohio with my daughter just, uh, two years ago, about a year and a half before I joined, came to the refuge and came here to start a new, I had, uh, quit crack and all that. Um, and I was clean for 14 months, but, um, then I relapsed and, um, my daughter found the refuge for me online, and I went in and down there that first week. I was wondering where it all went wrong, and, you know, I thought I was following God then. And um, what the refuge taught me during that first month was that I hadn't totally committed to God. I thought I was committed. I was a big fan. Mm-hmm. But found out I really needed to turn my life totally over to him right. and be a follower, not a fan, and become his disciple. That's great, yeah, because I know, you know, with that, that first principle commitment to God, that's going to affect the other six, um, and it sounds like that's something that you realized, you know, down there in the discovery phase. Um, and then as far as Thomas is <clears throat> looking back and things, what can you, uh, some advice you can give the guys that are just coming in down the farm or some of the guys that are, you know, halfway through phase two, or even the guys beginning of phase three, um, you know, that speak about just your perseverance and um, just the, some of the things that you can look back on, that, some words of encouragement for those guys. Uh, well, I'm, you know, I wouldn't lie to the guys. There's going to be tough times, and you're going to have to turn to your brothers to help you work through it. Because if you stick in your head, it's you're, it's just going to just totally turn your mind um, getting away from what you're, what you're striving for. It, it, uh, a lot of things pull at you to pull you out of here. The devil's attacking you. To, he doesn't want you in here. So you got to go to your brothers and, and read your word. Mm-hmm. And that's the Holy Spirit works through the word and your relationship with others. 
Perfect. Um, and then as far as these past 13 months, launching um, out of the refuge and into um, you know, continuing your walk now, uh, life outside of the refuge, what do you feel like you're going to take from the refuge the most as far as life application? What do you feel like you're going to take away from this process the most? Um, and, and what specific uh, areas of your life do you feel like you're going to apply um, these things? I'm going to... Um... As I said before, I came in, I, had t- I thought I had turned my life to God, and I'd gone to my church. Uh, a lot of the, my brothers know I'm Lutheran. I, I love my church. It um, is on the south side of Columbus, and I'm going to uh, continue with a champions group there, hopefully. And um, uh, my, what I was hoping to do before was to get the boys group going there and uh, to teach the young boys how to be disciples of God. Awesome. Awesome. And then as we wrap up here, Thomas, um, as far as your walk here and everything, what is some scripture you can give to us that you hold dear to your heart that, uh, you know, is a constant reminder um, to you of your your faith and some some scripture that really means a lot to you? Well, I've known God my whole life in the Bible. I went to a parochial school, and uh, which those that don't know parochial is... uh, a Christian school. Yeah, I was about to say, I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, my faith at times is weak, and uh, and at that, those times, I always remember Romans eight twenty eight. All things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. Awesome. That's awesome. Well, Thomas, it's been a pleasure getting to know you, um, the time I have here in the refuge and, um, thank you for sitting down and talking with us, man. And, uh, you know, wish you well as, uh, you continue this out, uh, after your, uh, time here at the refuge, man. Love you, brother. Love me too. All right, buddy. Psalm 112 verses one through 10. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord says verse one. And verses 7 and 8 declare, He will not be afraid. When you fear the Lord, you need not fear anything else. The fear of God is the fear that conquers fear. Now this applies to fears about your family, and your finances, and even the fear of the dark. If you dread making decisions, well, the Lord will help you. He is your helper in times of trouble and fear. When you fear the Lord, you need not fear bad news, because you know He is in control of all things. And you need not be afraid to give, because God will use your gift and reward you. And don't be alarmed at your enemies. God will take care of them as well. Isaiah proclaimed, The Lord of hosts. Let Him be your fear, and let Him be your dread. That's in Isaiah chapter 8, verse 13. Psalm 112, verses 1 through 10. Praise the Lord. Happy are those who fear the Lord. Yes, happy are those who delight in doing what He commands. Their children will be successful everywhere. An entire generation of godly people will be blessed. They themselves will be wealthy, and their good deeds will never be forgotten. When darkness overtakes the godly, light will come bursting in. They are generous, compassionate, and righteous. All goes well for those who are generous, who lend freely and conduct their business fairly. Such people will not be overcome by evil circumstances. 
Those who are righteous will be long remembered. They do not fear bad news. They confidently trust the Lord to care for them. They are confident and fearless and can face their foes triumphantly. They give generously to those in need. Their good deeds will never be forgotten. They will have influence and honor. The wicked will be infuriated when they see this. They will grind their teeth in anger. They will slink away, their hopes thwarted. Proverbs 27, verse 17. As iron sharpens iron, a friend sharpens a friend. Proverbs 27, verse 17. 